And so this week I want to talk about surprises and solutions, the follow-up, the follow-up. Because I believe with, with everything in me that when you hear a word that is so life-changing, you have to be careful not to just get excited because it was good word. Um, I told Bishop when she was at the house after service last week that the things she had said and the things she had taught, they, they weren't new to, to me um, and, and to some of you um, because what she taught is in the word. Uh, I even, I, I said to her, you know, I, I preached an entire series about how Jesus said to us, to you and I, he says, you're going to do greater works than I have done. And, and, and as a kid, I didn't understand. I was like, how are we going to do greater works than Jesus? You know, but after I got older and I started to understand that Jesus said that because he realized that what he did, he didn't do it because he was Jesus. He did it because of what he had on the inside of him. And the same thing he had on the inside of him is the same thing we have on the inside of us. And so I, I, I was telling her when she was at the house, I said, so what you taught wasn't, wasn't new, but your delivery was spot on. I said, the way you painted the picture of, of, of everything that transpired uh, between Jesus and his mother, between Jesus and the angel, the way that you, 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 you walked us uh, through, through almost like a Marvel movie. Uh, where you knew what was going to happen at the end, but then she walked you backwards. She did that backwards design uh, so that it got us to see some things that maybe we hadn't considered before. And so this morning, uh, I, I just I want to follow up. I want to I want to talk about surprises and solutions because how I many you know we still got some surprises and some solutions coming our way? Amen. And so I want to talk about. Uh, about her message and I, and I want to dovetail into some things that I want to make sure we didn't miss. Is that all right this morning? Uh, and, and so I want to begin uh, actually uh, in, a, in a scripture that I, that I thought of when they were singing a song and I want to go to Ephesians. So if you'll go to uh, Ephesians 1 um, and I think it's about um, I think it's probably about verse 15. Let me, let me look. Um, yeah, Ephesians 1 uh, 15 through 21 and I, I want to read this because I don't know about you know have you have you ever and I know you have but have you ever gotten a new car and then when you get a new car you see that same kind of car everywhere and you like who why these people got my car well you realize those cars was there before you got yours but what happened is you became illuminated to that kind of car because now it was something you was focusing on so this week, you know, I, I, I do two things during the week. I, I, I study my Bible because I, I believe you should study your Bible. So I, I'm, I'm in tune to the Holy Spirit about what I should be studying. But what I'm studying is not always what I'm preparing to preach. Because sometimes what I'm studying is God is studying for me to, to deal with me in my life. And then sometimes we're in the middle of a message that we're teaching about something. But this week... It didn't matter what I read, whether I was preparing for this or whether I was studying in my own life, all I kept seeing was the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, in every scripture I read, all I saw was Holy Spirit. And I saw Holy Spirit in places I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't realized he was there before. And one of my favorite scriptures is this, is this, is this prayer that, 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 that Paul prays when he is praying. He, he wrote this letter to the church of Ephesus. And in verse 15, here's what he says. And I, and I think that's the right same translation I got. It says, wherefore, this is Paul talking. He's writing this letter to the church of Ephesus. He says, wherefore, I also, 
after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. He says, I cease not. He, I mean, he says, I can't, I can't stop, but to give thanks for you. He says, and I keep making mention of you in my prayers. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, say that's the Father. He says, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's his prayer for them. He says, so that the eyes of your understanding would be what? Enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. He says, and what is the exceeding greatness? Now, what? this is what got me, because I've read this so many times. He says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? Take your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's a power that comes with believing. He says, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Jesus Christ when he did what? Now, 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 what, now, now, here's the part that I have read so many times and did not equate to what she said last week. The power that did what? Raised him from the dead. I have to be honest with you. Every time I used to read that, I thought about God raising Jesus from the dead. Because if you read it and you're not careful to understand what Paul was praying for them, Paul says, look, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened so you will understand about this power. It is the same power that got Jesus up out of the grave. But God didn't get Jesus up out of the grave, not God the Father. And we found out last week that Jesus Christ didn't get himself up out the grave that there was a power that got him about the grave and that power was the Holy Spirit. He says, which he wrought in Christ when he uh, raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And in the last verse says, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, the Holy Spirit has a job. Say, so his, his job is to cause you to, cause to rise above, to rise above every, situation. every situation. Somebody ought to give God some praise for that this morning. The apostle Paul was praying for them. He says, I'm praying that your eyes will be enlightened, that you would understand that there's a power available to you that will cause you to rise above any situation that you ever face in your life. That you never find yourself hopeless and you never find yourself out of solutions. Amen. And so I started reading uh, some of the things that Bishop sh uh, talked about last week. And, and because, I'm, I'm because of how I am, I, as I listened to her message, I, I grouped them in three different ways. And, and as I grouped them, I went back and, and looked at some of them. And I want to share some of the key points that she shared last week. And then I want to show you how these tie into what we're talking about today. So she started last week in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. We're not going to read all of those, but I want us to, to look at verse 34 and 35. You remember uh, this from last week, verse 34 through 35. So Luke chapter uh, 1, uh, verse 26 through 38. And I just want to look at verse 34 and 35, if you can pull that up for me. It may actually be. There it is. It says, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Verse 35 was, And the angel answered and said unto her, 
the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now the next verse, verse 36, says, And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she shall also conceive a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her uh, who was called barren. Next verse, it says, For with God nothing shall what? Be impossible. Now, you know, she taught, she read through this whole entire uh, scripture on last week, and she basically, you know, it shared the story with us about how the angel comes to Mary and tells Mary that she's going to have a child, and Mary's like, how can this be? This, this, is, this is a surprise to me because I ain't never been with a man, and, and, and how is this going to happen? And then the Bible says that Mary says something so, um, so good in verse 38. Look at verse 38. She says, and Mary said what? Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Now watch this. She says, be it unto me, what? According to thy word. Now, Bishop and I talked about this after service because here is the key. Even if the angel had shown up and said all of these things to her, if she had not said this, she would not have been the one who conceived Jesus. Because we know in this church that faith begins where? Where the will of God is known. She says, be it unto me according to what? Your word. M Mary had to believe that word. So I said to Bishop, I said, the problem is, is that many people hear word and they like word, but they don't believe word. Liking a word, me telling you that you're going to be healed, me telling you you're going to be delivered, me telling you you're next in line for the job, me telling you you're going to conceive, me telling you you're going to get the house, your marriage is going to be repaired, you're going to get in school, you, all these wonderful things are going to happen. It's good to hear, but you won't get pregnant with the word if you don't believe it. You, you, you got to get pregnant with the word. You got to have some intimacy with the word. And, and, and I love Bishop because Bishop gets my sense of humor. And so Bishop and I was laughing and we was talking. And I said, you know, Bishop, I said, I, said, I don't want to be crude. I said, but here's the thing that people miss sometimes. I said, and Pastor Young shaking her head, I'm going to say it. I said to Bishop, I said, Bishop, the thing that people miss is that you can get pregnant with just the tip. I'm going to let y'all think about that for a minute. See, see, some of y'all think, no, no, no. Some of y'all think you got to have this long session. You, 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 you think that it's got to be all this time invested and it's got to be all of these other things. No, no, no. You can be intimate with just the tip and end up pregnant. I'm saying to you that if you just get close to the Holy Ghost, if you allow yourself to just come in any contact with all, you can conceive what God has for you. Oh, y'all acting shame now. Don't, don't be shame. You done said worse on your Facebook page. You done said worse on your Instagram. I know because I follow you. Don't, 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 don't be shy because you in church. I grew up in the 90s. I know, I, I know what we used to say. I mean, I mean, I'm saying to you, if it works with you and her, it'll work with you and the Holy Ghost. 
You just got to learn. And, and, and Bishop understood it. And we laughed about it. And I said, but it's, so, it's such a revelation to me. Because what you're saying is the Holy Ghost is so powerful that if you just get around it, you'll conceive. If you, if you just won't block the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will bring to you what God has for you. And that is the way you get pregnant with God's word. And so, and so I, I appreciated when she walked us through that because I started saying all this week, every time the Lord said something to me or everything that was something I was working on for the church or something I was working on for my job, I just started saying, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Lord, be it unto me. You know, she re released the word over my life and over Pastor Sean's life last week, and I just kept saying, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know what you're going to do, you know, but whatever you do, Lord, be it unto me according to your word and so, so, there, was, so there were some things that, that, that the bishop talked about and, and in the first thing one of the things she said she said it isn't enough to just be saved we must know the Holy Spirit yeah. and, and, and I think that the problem is in, in Christianity today and, and I, I get that we need to bring people to Jesus but once we get people to the cross we can't just leave them there that it's great to have 3,000 people make a commitment for the Lord. But if you get 3,000 people to make the commitment to the Lord and you don't introduce them to the Holy Ghost, they are going to love Jesus but struggle. And then if people struggle long enough, they think they don't have Jesus, so they start to live their life like they don't have Jesus. So she said last week, she said, it's not enough just to be saved. You have to know the Holy Ghost. And then she said, even Jesus himself relied on the Holy Spirit. And then we, and we saw that in scripture where she walked us through that before Jesus started performing miracles, he allowed John uh, the Baptist, which if you realize, if you study it out, if you go back to, um, to, to where we were, uh, go back about two, maybe verse 36, maybe, right, right there. It says, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also conceived a son and in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Elizabeth was John the Baptist, his mother. So literally, while, while, while the angel is talking to Mary about conceiving, he already had in the works the person who was going to baptize Jesus in the Holy Ghost. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, sometimes you don't know why God have you do what you do. Say, just know he already got a plan. He already got a plan. See, he, he, didn't wait to John, he didn't wait to Mary said yes for John the Baptist to be ready. God ain't waiting for you to say yes for him to already be ready. He's already planned out some things for you. He already got some things in your path. He already got some folk waiting on you so that when you say yes, everything comes together. And then she told us, she said, the Holy Spirit is a greater power than we give him credit for. And see, I don't know where you grew up or what church you grew up, whether you grew up Baptist or AME. It was so funny last week, she kept calling us Fellowship of Champions, Church of God in Christ, Baptist, a Methodist, Episcopalian, uh, Presbyterian, Spirit of Prophecy, Word of God, Overcomer. She just named every church she'd ever preached in. Because her point was, I don't care where you have been, you need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. And we have to retrain ourselves that the Holy Spirit does more for us than cause us to shout. In fact, the Holy Spirit doesn't actually cause you to shout. And Bishop and I were talking about that. I said, now, you know, Bishop, as a teacher, I can't, I just, I'm going to have to say something. He said, no, you fix it however you want to fix it. The Holy Spirit don't make you shout because you can decide to shout right now. 
when you when, when you went and saw Lil Wayne in concert, <laughs> or Lil Bootsy, or the baby, or whoever y'all go see nowadays, it was new addition for us. We were dancing and we were doing art. Listen, we didn't need the Holy Ghost to tell us to do that. We chose to do that. So the Holy Ghost is much more than something that makes you move. The Holy Ghost is a teacher. He is the paraclete. He is the one who instructs and guides. And so we have to understand that there's a power source connected to the Holy Spirit that we cannot forget. And then she took us to Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 14. And let's look at this real quick. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 14. As she was reading this, she started to, uh, to, to, to unpack some, some nuggets for us. And I think most of these scriptures are already in there. Uh, here it is. It says, but you are not in the flesh. She, it says, but you are in the spirit. If, now, now that, there's an if there. So, so it says, you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. If. So be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if the Spirit of God ain't in you, you in your flesh, even if you're in church. Being in church doesn't make you be in the Spirit. Just like being in your garage don't make you a car. You, the Spirit has to be in you in order for you to be dwelling in the Spirit. It says, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, then he is none of his, or he doesn't belong to Christ. He says, and if Christ be in you, though, he said, the body is dead because of sin. Watch this. But the Spirit, which Spirit is that? The Holy Spirit, is life because of why? Righteousness. She says, that's the reason you get born again. Jesus saves you because Jesus' blood atones for all of our sins. But once you get your, atone, your sins atoned for, you still need some power. Amen. Amen. I liken it like this. You can, you can have a, a, a light bulb that goes out, and you can change the light bulb. But, if the, but once you change the light bulb, how many you know if there's no power coming to the light bulb itself, even if the bulb is good, there's not going to be any light? A lot of us are brand new light bulbs. You ain't got nothing powering you, though. Because you got changed when you got born again. But there's no power source connected to cause you to illuminate. Nothing's making you live bright. And so she was saying on last week that we got to be more than just a bunch of changed light bulbs sitting up in church. We got to be shining light. That's why the Bible says that we ought to be a light on top of a city, not hid. Why? Because you got to have some power. Take your neighbor and say, neighbor. Say, I need Holy Ghost power and that's not just some Pentecostal thing I don't care what kind of church you go to you need power to live somebody said pastor what does that mean you know how much power it takes not to cuss somebody out when you want to it, by power Lord somebody say something you don't like somebody do something you know how much power it takes for you to have to tell your kid to do something the third time and not snap on them it takes power you know how much power it takes when you and your significant other are involved in a conversation and they say something and that you don't like and you ready to snap back, but you know snapping back ain't going to do nothing but make them snap back too, and then you're going to get into it. You know how much power <laughs> it takes? You, 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 know, you, you know how much power it takes for you to be right about something and then have the Lord say, don't say a word? No. That right there, that hurt everybody. Oh, it takes power, amen? And so it says, uh, and if Christ be in you, 
then the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Next verse. It says, but if the spirit of him, watch this, that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. If the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, I, I have a translation back there, uh, the message translation, I believe. Let's, let's read this out of the message translation. If you can go to Romans 8, uh, 10 and 11 for me in the message translation, I'd appreciate it. I think it's already uh, in there if I didn't forget it. There it is. Here it is. Now, it says, bringing you alive to himself. It says, when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, it says, you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be as alive as Christ is. He then says, so don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent. It says there's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and then get on with your new life. It says God's spirit beckons or calls us. There are things to do and we got places to go and we can't do it being the old us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, say it's time to do a new thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The Holy Spirit helps us and empowers us to do a new thing. So one of the things she said last week, she said the Holy Spirit has been here even before Jesus was and that Jesus got here as a result of the Holy Spirit. We read that over in Luke. She said the Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses, and this is why he is in the earth. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you are not in this world without hope. You are not unless you are not relying on Holy Spirit because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and bears all of our infirmities. That means any area that you are weak in, the Holy Spirit has the ability to cause you to be strong in that area. She also said the Holy Spirit comes up on you and it will give you the solution. How many of you know that, uh, I think Chris was saying it this week, how many of you had some situations come up this week and you really practiced asking Holy Spirit to help you and he helped you and he helped you? Listen, that's not a one-time thing. It is the Holy Spirit's job to help you. Here's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. If you ask him something, he can't lie. Come on, come on, that's good. So whatever you ask him, he will give to you. It's why the book of James says, if any man lacks wisdom, he says, let him ask of the Lord. Let him ask Holy Spirit. Why? Who gives to him liberally and unabraded. He says, if you need answers for something, it's great to ask your friend. It's great to research it. It's great to try to go to school and learn it. He said, but you got a power source that you can connect to that can teach you far above what you can get out of a book. And see, here's the problem. The church used to teach that, and then people took that the wrong way. They took that to mean don't read books. That ain't what that means. That is not what that means. That don't mean that somebody have a heart attack, and you're like, oh, I got it. I can do the heart surgery. No, that's not what that means. What it does mean is that if you are a heart surgeon who has been trained and certified, and you are doing heart surgery, and something occurs that you've never seen before, you are not without hope. You can pull on the Holy Spirit who can teach you and bring things back to your remembrance that you may have forgotten in order to save somebody's life. So you got to combine the two. 
I love this. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance. If you ain't studied nothing, you ain't going to be able to remember nothing. I never understood why people be going into testing college and my Lord just help me. You didn't study. You didn't read nothing. You didn't read chapter four. The test is over chapter four. At least if you had read it, the Holy Spirit could have brought something back to your remembrance. He could have been like, yep, that definition that you read, here's what it means. But you ain't read nothing. That's why it's important to read your Bible. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important to read your Bible. If you don't read your Bible and the Bible is God's word, how does God prompt you about his word? How does the Holy Spirit prompt you about his word if you don't spend time in his word? She also says that you're not out of options with the Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, say, I am never out of options. And then she told us that the Holy Spirit is our very present help. And, 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 and there's a scripture in Psalms that says he's our very present help in times of trouble. When, when, you, when you are in trouble, that is not the time to be stubborn. When you are in trouble, it's not the time to be prideful. When you are in trouble, that is the time that you want to call out to the Lord to help you. You want to say, Holy Ghost, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. Send your help, Lord. Help me now. The other thing she said was that loving Jesus doesn't mean you don't love the Holy Spirit. And I think that for, for many of us, that was revelation last week because we, we, we say all the time, when we're in trouble, who name do we call on? Jesus. We love to call on the name of Jesus. And she was saying that there's nothing wrong with calling on the name of Jesus, but you have to remember that, 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 that we have God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's job to be the helper. Jesus is not classified as the helper. He's the redeemer. He's the redeemer, and you need him to get redeemed. But once you've been redeemed, he don't keep redeeming you. So we've got God the Father, but even, 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 even God said, hey, anything you ask for, ask for it in Jesus' name. Jesus comes and redeems us. We need salvation. That's our number one need. We need redemption. We ask the, Father, we ask the Son for redemption. He redeems us. Now, everything else we're asking for, the power source is not Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit because Jesus told us that's who we're supposed to ask. And so when you begin to understand the, the importance of this tripartite connection, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Me loving Holy Spirit is not diminishing my love for Jesus. Any more than me loving my mother diminishes my love for my father or diminishes my love for my grandparents. I can love them all. And so she says, as a body of believers, we have to get to the place where we understand loving Holy Spirit is just as good as loving the Son and loving the Father. And then lastly, she said, we must develop the capacity to love them all equally. And when she said that, I just thought, man, that is, that is so good because so many times uh, our emphasis is on Jesus. And don't get me wrong, Jesus is the reason we are redeemed, amen? And if it wasn't for Jesus, there would be no redemption. But those of us who are redeemed, we are, we are needing to a power source to live. I thought one of the best illustrations she showed last week is she said, when Jesus was in the grave, and he was wrestling with death. He couldn't free himself. He needed the Holy Spirit to free him. And the truth of the matter is a lot of us, we love God in this church. We love God. We really do. But if we're honest, we struggle. We love God, but we struggle. 
We struggle to do the right thing. We struggle to say the right thing. We struggle to be in the right attitude, the right frame of mind. We love God, but we struggle. Why do we struggle? Because we're not relying on the Holy Spirit. We're more so or less relying on ourselves. And when you rely on yourself, you can love God, but loving God is not enough to overcome some of life's obstacles sometimes. There, how many of you know that when we talk about addictions, it's not just drugs? It's not just sex. It's, it's, not, just, it's not just alcohol. Some of us have a, an addiction to being right. Some of us have an, have an, an, an addiction to, 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 to needing somebody to validate us. And there's all kinds of addictions, addiction to money, addiction to food, uh, 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 addictions to all kinds of things. But the Holy Ghost job is to free you of all of those addictions. In fact, take your neighbor and say, neighbor, the only thing you ought to be addicted to is God. That's the only thing you ought to be addicted to. You ought to be addicted to God. You should not be addicted to anything else. Everything else, you should have power over it. It shouldn't have power over you. So if you've got things in your life that are having power over you, if you've got issues in your life that are stopping you from living out your full potential, you've got to get to the place where you say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need your help. And so because of that, I want to spend a few moments just when actually just talking about uh, a couple of things about the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about this. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to enable us to actually live out our Christian life. You know, we live in a, in a, in a society now where, I, I don't say everybody, but a lot of the things that, that we used to equate to being um, Christian, people now debate whether that's, that's necessary or not. But how many of you know that if you're going to live a life that is a replica of the life of Christ, you're going to have to have the same power that allowed him to live out that life. See, many people think that that Jesus didn't do certain things because he was Jesus. Jesus didn't do some things because he had the power not to do them. Let me explain. The Bible says that Jesus was a man like we were and that he went through and suffered and felt the same emotions and passions that we all feel. Do you ever get angry? Do you ever sometimes act out on your anger? Well, if that's the case, Jesus would have wanted to do that too. But do you find a place where Jesus gets angry and as a result of his anger, sins because of his anger? You don't. Why? Not because he was Jesus, but because he had a power source that kept him from doing it. He had the Holy Spirit on the inside of him that stopped him from doing it. So if we want people to live an effective life, it's not enough to just tell them to be saved. They must be saved and then filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the truth of the matter is, if I was to talk to some of you privately and I was to ask you, do you love God? You would tell me yes. And I would believe you. But if I ask you, is there something that you struggle with, something that you seem that you can't stop doing? Is it something in your life that you can get away with from a little while, but before you know it, you end up doing it again. It pulls you back in, and you feel worse the second time than you did the first time. And then you say you're never going to do it again, and you do some things to get you out of that situation, but something happens, and the pressure of life comes, and you find yourself back in that same situation. You say you and your wife are never going to curse at each other again, and you do good for six months until you get a bill you did 
didn't expect and somebody didn't pay it right or somebody didn't do something right and then before you know it you're upset and you're saying something that you said you never would say again if it's anything like that ever in your life it's because you didn't rely on the Holy Spirit to stop you from doing it and the truth of the matter is that is the reason that we were given the Holy Spirit so that we could live a life so that we wouldn't find ourselves doing that which we don't want to do the Apostle Paul said it like that in Romans he said he said every time I do something he says I look around and I find myself being the, doing this thing that I don't want to do he said the thing I don't want to do is the thing I find myself doing the most he says when I will not to do it he said it's no more I but it's seeing in me it's my flesh causing me to do it so what is the thing that's going to stop my flesh from doing the thing I don't want to do the Holy Ghost it's the Holy Ghost that's going to stop me from doing it and if I don't realize I need the Holy Ghost I live my entire life looking good but always failing at the things that I want to stop doing so the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to enable us to actually live out this Christian life by dwelling in us and residing on the inside of each of us so that we can live a life that matches the righteousness that we have received say I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus so if God made us righteous, why is it so hard to live like it? And, and that's the thing that catches people up, and that's the thing that makes people uncomfortable, especially when they come to a church and they got people saying things like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, listen, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because he made us righteous. The reason we don't live out righteousness has nothing to do with what he made us. It has to do with us not using the power available to cause us to live right. I was thinking about this this week. Our next door neighbor has a, a Great Dane. And they haven't had it very long. And when they got it, it was just a little puppy. It was so cute. Just a little bitty puppy. Real big old paws, big floppy ears. It's been about three months. And uh, her name is Ingrid. Ingrid is big. In, in fact, Ingrid is so big that when she came outside one day, Everybody who used to go, hey, Ingrid, she came outside and said, oh! <laughs> and everybody, like, froze. Now, Ingrid's about this big, about that long. But Ingrid is still a puppy. So Ingrid still runs to you like a puppy. But she used to run like this. Now Ingrid runs like this. <laughs> and when you see Ingrid coming, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, the same thing is true. There are some problems in your life that used to look really small. And, and, and even though you didn't rely on the Holy Spirit, you had enough education. You had enough talent. You had enough fortitude to deal with the problems on the puppy level. But some of y'all done lived long enough where your problems, because you kept managing them, kept growing. So now your little puppy that you used to manage ain't so manageable. It's about this big now. It's about this tall now. And the problem no longer runs to you like this. It sprints at you. But can I help you this morning? It's still a puppy. Your problem is still a puppy. It may look like it got bigger, 
But I'm telling you, it's still a puppy because you got someone on the inside of you designed to handle any problem that ever comes your way. It's called the Holy Ghost. And if you would tap into the Holy Ghost, no matter how big that thing is that runs at you, you would never be terrified. You would never be scared. You would never be afraid. Why? Because you understand that you have the solution for every single problem. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. It uses the word the paraclete. It means it's a teacher. It's the one who intercedes. It's the one who supports. It's the one who acts. It becomes an advocate for us on our behalf in times of great trials. See, how many know that when you get in trouble and something happens, even if you're not guilty, you need you a good judge, a good lawyer. You need somebody who's going to advocate on your behalf. Here's the thing about a lawyer. A lawyer, if he's a good lawyer, is not really concerned about whether or not you did it or not. In fact, a real good lawyer today, hey, I don't even want to know. Don't, <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me where nobody is. Don't tell me nothing. I don't want to know. Because the lawyer's job is to advocate for you. When you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, there are times that you will make a mistake. There are times that you will blow it, and there are times that it will be 100% your fault. But the Holy Ghost don't care about who fault it is because his job is to advocate for you. So even in the toughest of situations, you don't want to run away from the Holy Ghost. You want to run to him because his job is to be an advocate for you. So that's why the, the, when, when you find yourself in trouble, that's not the time to be like, oh, I just deserve what I get. No, 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 no. Now is the time for me to rely even more on the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, I blew it. I need your help. Help, Lord. Help me, Lord. I need your help. There's no clearer picture of this than the children of Israel. The Bible says in the children of Israel, they found themselves in a pit. The Bible says, and they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord rescued them. And if you keep reading the same psalm, it says a little bit later, the children of Israel found themselves in a pit again. And they cried out to the Lord, and guess what? The Lord rescued them. Now, most of us would be like, whoa, boy, they better quit now. Uh-uh, keep reading. The third time, it says they found themselves in a pit. And they cried out to God, and the Lord rescued them. See, some of y'all is like, well, I done done this too many times. The Lord ain't going to help me. If you call on the Holy Ghost, he'll help you because helping is his job. Helping is his job. So if you call out to him, he will help you because that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Say, the Holy Spirit's job is to help me. So then let's talk about what is the role of the Holy Spirit. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? There's a couple of things that the Holy Spirit will always do because it's part of his, it's of his role as being Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit will speak to us, especially concerning God's word. The Holy Spirit will speak to us, especially concerning God's word. When Jesus departed from his disciples, he said something very interesting to them. In John chapter 14, uh, verse 25, in 26, here's what he says. He says, the helper. Now notice this. He says, the helper. He says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you, watch this, all what? And do what? Bring what? Some things. 
most things. He said, all things to your what? Whatsoever I have said to you. He says, the helper, the job of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of what I've said to you. That's why you need the Holy Spirit because sometimes God will speak to you, but then life will beat you up so bad that things that God said to you, you don't even see how they're possible anymore. You don't even understand. You know, you, you said, the, the Lord told you you were going to be able to go to school. But then you got to school and financial aid didn't work out. Your family couldn't help you. You, you got some student loans, but it wasn't enough. You don't know what you're going to do. You're facing the registrar. The registrar telling you you got you to get out of class. You got to move out the dorm. You don't know what's going to go on. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit will remind you of what the Lord said to you. And when you begin to understand that when God speaks a word and you believe the word, that is where faith begins. And once you are in faith, now you can believe for what God has instructed you to believe for. He says, so the Holy Spirit's role is to speak to you concerning the things I've spoken to you. But there are things that God has spoken to us, not audibly, but in his word. It's why it's important to read the Bible. I know we got phones and tablets and apps and all that. I don't care how you access it, but you need to be accessing it. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I know it seems old-fashioned to read the Bible. Say, however, it is necessary. It is necessary. For a lot of reasons. Number one, you need to know if I'm telling you right. I can't believe the number of people who go to church and they don't ever check to see what their pastors are saying, whether it's right or wrong. I love you, but you ought to be checking. You ought to be checking. Well, I ain't going to question my man of God. Well, you better hope he's right 100% of the time. Because if he ain't, it's your life that's going to be messed up. Look at you. Say, neighbor, it's my responsibility to know the word for myself. Amen. It is your responsibility to know the word for yourself. You cannot just rely on someone else's teaching. You know, the Bible says that he will, the helper, the Holy Spirit, he will remind us of that. So Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, knew that his disciples needed the Holy Spirit so that they could be reminded of what Jesus said after he was gone. In fact, I think there's one translation. Uh, I don't know if it's the next one. It's, here it is, a New Living Translation. It says, but when the Father sends the advocate, as my representative. Notice that what he says. He says, I'm going to go. I got, I got a place to go. I got I, I, I to go back to heaven. He says, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He says, I'm going to send an advocate who's going to be my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything that I have told you. Why? Because he understood that he was leaving. And as he was leaving, they were still going to need that teaching. Here's the great thing. The same Holy Spirit he sent back to them is the same Holy Spirit we got. We don't have a watered-down version of the Holy Spirit. We don't have a used version of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that got Jesus out of the grave is, a, is the same Holy Spirit available to tell you how to solve your next problem. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to speak to us through God's Word. That is why it's important to read the Bible. The second role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to teach us who Jesus really is. The, the Holy Spirit, his job is to teach us who Jesus really is. Jesus and the Holy Spirit orchestrated this whole thing. Look at John chapter 16, verse 12 through 14. He'll pull it up for you. Here's what it says. 
Jesus, when he's speaking with his disciples, says, I still have many things to say to you. He says, but right now you cannot bear them. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, the Holy Ghost, he will guide you into all truth. It says, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit's job is to help us understand Jesus at a greater level. He, Jesus says to his disciples, listen, I've been with you for the last three and a half years. He says, and, and I've taught you a lot of things. He says, but I have so much more to say to you right now. If I said them all, you couldn't bear it. You couldn't take it. He says, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to send the advocate, my representative, to live on the inside of you so that he can whisper the very things I want to tell you. So that when something, he, he, here's the picture you got to paint. Jesus has all this stuff he wants to tell us. But if he told us everything about our life right now, it overwhelms us. So what he does is he allows you and I access to another part of him, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. So when things happen in our life and it's the right time, then the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Because during the right time, now you're able to bear it. So you think things are happening in life and they're happening against you. It's really a setup for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what I went through wasn't for my bad. It was for my good. Yeah, because in those times that were difficult, it is when you were more receptive to hearing what Holy Spirit had to say. Now, watch this. You can train yourself to hear Holy Spirit besides times of trouble. See, it's, it's interesting that we as kids sometimes don't think our parents know nothing. You know, you hit that right old age, about 13, where you done lived all your life already. Parents can't tell you nothing. They old-fashioned. They, they, they don't get it. You're trying to, you to teeter-totter between being too directive and too open because you want them to learn. But, but, but they got this. They got this. So you let them have it. And then they get on down the road and find out they ain't got nothing. That is the most receptive time that your kids will ever have that they listen to what you say. You can be, they, they be in such dire straits, you can be like, look, you need to go get a red balloon, put some whipped cream on top of it, and pop it with a pen. They don't know why. They're like, okay. They're getting red balloon, putting whipped cream, and popping it. Why? Because they wanted to do anything because they're in trouble. Don't be like those kids. Don't be like those kids. Don't be the person that the only time you can hear Holy Spirit is when you are down and out. Learn to hear him when you are up and above. Learn to hear the Holy Spirit daily so you don't have to go through these great trials in order to be able to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Here's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He'll talk to you whether you're in a trial or whether you're not. He's, he's not reserved to the trial, but if you are reserved to listening only during the trial, it's the only time you'll ever hear him. 
So the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. When Jesus was on earth, he opened up a new way for us. The Bible says that Jesus became our high priest or he became our forerunner. He was able to understand all of our struggles. So he knew if it was going to be a struggle for him without the Holy Ghost, he knew it'd be a struggle for us without the Holy Ghost. So he says, even though I have done what I came to do, I am not going to leave you comfortless. The Holy Spirit has many things to say to us about who Jesus is and what it means to be connected to him, but we have to be willing to listen. Amen? Another role the Holy Spirit has. The Holy Spirit wants to give us strength to help us fight against sin. Now, I know that here at Fellowship of Champions, we don't spend a great deal of time talking about sin because I'm a firm believer that if we focus more on Jesus, sin will take care of itself. But the Holy Spirit's job is to help you with those sinful things that sometimes come as a result of your bloodline. People don't like to talk about generational curses, but there is a such thing as a generational curse. There are certain things that, 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 that are in your life that are not necessarily in your life as a direct result of something that you yourself have done. Another word for it is genetics. There are some of you, your genetics predispose you to certain things. But just because something predisposes you to it don't mean it has to take you out. You may have a predisposal to, 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 to heart disease because your family passed on those genetics to you. You, 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 you may have, a, 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 you may be predisposed to bad eyesight, to, 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 to certain blood diseases. All of those things are a result of sin, but the Holy Spirit's job is to come and to have us rely on him so he can get rid of those things that's in our bloodline. And watch this. There have been people in this ministry who have been healed from things that other folk in their family still suffer from. There are folk in this church who, 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 had, who had bad eyesight, but now they see. There are people in this church who, who, have, who have issues with their blood, and now there's nothing wrong with their blood. There's people in this church who had high, 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 uh, uh, high blood pressure, but they don't suffer from it anymore. It wasn't just a one-time thing for them. Whatever the Holy Spirit makes available for one, he makes available for all. Yeah. Take, your neighbor say, take your neighbor and say, neighbor, God and Holy Spirit are no respecter of persons. No respect of persons. He don't do something just because somebody happens to be a woman or somebody happens to be a man or someone happens to be black or someone happens to be white, somebody happens to be tall or happen to be short. The Holy Spirit is ready to move in and on all of us. The question is, how open are you? Because here's what I found amazing. As dynamic as the service was on last week, I looked around, it was still folks leaving. And that, that's no shade. But you can be in a room with greatness and not recognize it. The Holy Spirit can be sitting right there waiting to do something for you, but if you're not interested because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, he doesn't just barge into your life. You have to be receptive to allow Holy Spirit into your life. Amen? There's a scripture in Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 16 through 25. And it talks about our flesh and, 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 and if we're not careful how our flesh can be so strong, it will literally resist the very thing that we want. And, and, and that's, the, that's the thing. If you're not careful, you can want a thing, but your flesh will, will fight so hard against it, the very thing you want you'll never get. 
And so the Bible says this in Galatians 5, 16. It says, this I say then, we are to walk in the spirit. And if we do, we will not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. And then it says, for the, so for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. It says, and these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now notice what he says here. He says, the spirit and the flesh go against each other. If you live in the, in the flesh, you can't do what you want to in the spirit. But if you live in the spirit, even if your flesh want to do something, you won't find yourself doing it. He says, they are contrary one to the another. He, and in the next verse, verse, it says, but if you be led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law. It says, now the works of the flesh, and it goes through and lists all these things. Go through the next couple of, of so right here. It says, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such are the like. But here's what it says. It says, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And I have to stop here, and I have to, I have to teach this the way I believe this is scripturally appropriate. When you read all of those things that we're not supposed to do, it doesn't say if you do those things, you're going to hell. That is not what it says. And if someone taught you that, they did not, they did not read the original text of this scripture. The kingdom of God is not heaven or hell. The kingdom of God is a structure and a system. He says, if you do all these things, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Well, pastor, what's the kingdom of God? It is God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things. He says, and if you live your life doing all of these things, you won't be able to think like God thinks. You spend your time getting drunk, you won't be able to do what God does. He says nothing about a heaven or a hell in this text. This text is not telling folk that if you do something wrong, you're going to hell. If that's the case, we all doomed. That's why Jesus came to redeem us so that we didn't have to spend time wondering about whether or not this one mistake is going to send us to hell or not. But it is important that you ought to want to live according to the kingdom of God. You ought to want to live according to God's system and God's structure. You ought to want to see things the way God sees things. You ought to want to understand things the way God understands things. And you ought to want to do things the way God do, does things. Few, several years ago, they had those bracelets out, those WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? Not most of the stuff those people had on their arm. The people had them brace on the arm. Most of the stuff they was doing, that ain't what Jesus would have done. But they spent no time understanding the kingdom of God. And so they had the bracelet on, but they did whatever their flesh told them to do. And if you do that, then you're no better off than the person who wears the bracelet but still does whatever you want to do. So you got to understand the Holy Spirit's role is to help us live a life so that we can live above this sinful state. Amen? And then lastly, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about, I want to, I want to jump and I want to go to Isaiah chapter 11. Because there are some characteristics of the Holy Spirit that you need to understand. There are some things, it's like if, uh, it's, it's like if you go to a restaurant, right? Let's say you go to Chili's. Anybody ever, in here ever been to Chili's? Okay. If you go to Chili's and the waiter comes, and the waiter says, how may I help you? What would you like to have today? If you say to the waiter, I want Thai food. Why you at Chili's? 
what do you think the response is going to be? That's not what we serve here. But I want Thai food. I understand. But that's not what we have on the menu. And you could stay in Chili's and be frustrated that they won't bring you Thai food all day long. But you know at the end of the day what they're not going to bring you? Thai food. Because they don't serve Thai food at Chili's. So you can say, I want the Holy Ghost to do X for me. But if it doesn't line up with what the Holy Ghost does, you can be frustrated all day. He's not going to do it just because you want it done. So there are some characteristics that you need to understand about the Holy Ghost so that when you want something and you're asking the Holy Ghost for it, you understand it's something that's on the menu. So the Bible says, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. I don't know. Do I have this in the, um, do I have this in the message translation back there? So, so let's, let's look here. I want you to see this. It says, A green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump. Now, if you don't understand this, Jesse um, is the lineage that Jesus came out of. Um, it's the same lineage that David came out of. So this is, this is prior to Jesus ever showing up on the scene. But it's prophesied here. It says a green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump. Now, now that's important because have you ever seen a stump? Y'all, some, some of y'all ain't always lived in the city. You, don't play me. You've been in the country before. They cut a tree down, and when they cut a tree down, they don't, they don't, they don't dig it up from the root. So what's left is what? In all of your life, have you ever seen anything grow out of that stump? No. Because it grows from the roots, and once you cut it off, it's dead. So this would have been, so if somebody had prophesied to them, did a green shoot, that means life. It's like a green, a green stem is going to grow out of a shoot. They lost most people right there. And that's sometimes how it is when God says something to you. He, it's something dead in your life. And he says to you, this thing is going to live again. This thing, that, this thing that you thought was over, you're going to be able to do it. And you looking like, ain't no green shoot going to come out of this stump. But he's prophesying. He says a green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump, from his roots, a budding branch. Then he says the life-giving spirit. Now, we've talked about this. What's the life-giving spirit? Holy Spirit. We know that because we know the life-giving Spirit is what got Jesus from the dead. He says the life-giving Spirit of God will hover over him. Over who is the him? The green shoot that's coming out of Jesse's stump, which is who? Jesus. Don't miss this. He says a green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump, from his roots a budding branch. The life-giving Spirit of God will hover over him, and the Spirit that brings wisdom and understanding, the Spirit that gives direction and builds strength, the Spirit that instills knowledge and a fear or a reverential fear of God will hover over him. So go back to the other translation real quick. Next verse. It says, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, that's a characteristic. The spirit of understanding is a characteristic. The spirit of counsel is a characteristic. The spirit of might, or one translation says fortitude, is a char- and some of y'all need some fortitude. 
Some of y'all need some stick to itness. Being a Christian doesn't mean life going to be easy. I don't know why most people think that somehow because you're born again that life's supposed to be easy. In fact, if you are in a real fight, if you're really living something, the enemy ain't going to let your life be easy. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to contend for it. He says, so the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, he said, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, let me help you. The fear of the Lord is not terror. It is not terror. Which translation you got? The Amplified, it says, oh, you might have it back there. It says, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. The reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. So when we start talking about these characteristics of the Holy Spirit, you have to understand that these are things that the Holy Spirit brings with them. So if you, um, the best way I can describe it is if you invite me to come to your house and spend the night, and I come to your house and I spend the night, I bring everything I am to your house. All the things you like about me and all the things you don't like about me, I bring me to your house. When you open yourself up and you invite Holy Spirit in, he brings everything who he is to your house. So part of who he is, the Bible says that there's going to come this thing. It says, and this, this, this thing is going to grow out of Jesse's stump. We know that growing out of Jesse's stump was Jesus. Jesus grew out of that lineage. The Bible says that the spirit of God was going to hover over him. Do you remember when John the Baptist baptized Jesus? The Bible says that the heavens opened up. It says, and the spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And a voice said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And when that Holy Spirit came and descended on him, Jesus opened himself up to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit brought with him every characteristic that he had with him. So Jesus never found himself in a situation where he didn't have wisdom. He never found himself in a situation where he didn't have understanding. It's the reason why when he met the woman at the well and everybody else was talking bad about it, Jesus had a different understanding of her. It is the reason why when the woman who had the issue of blood approached Jesus and she touched his garment and he said, wait, virtue has gone out of me. He knew virtue had gone out of him because he realized that someone had a fortitude. So as the spirit of might had been touched and had left out of him. If you open up yourself to the Holy Spirit, everything the Holy Spirit has, he brings with him. He brings wisdom. He brings understanding. He brings uh, direction. He brings counsel. He brings might. He brings uh, knowledge. And lastly, the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. And here's the one I want to talk about, the reverential and obedient fear of the Lord. When we talk about this, this word is akin to the word wonder. And, 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 and not wonder like to puzzle, but wonder like to be in awe. He says this, the, 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 the Holy Spirit brings with him an awe of God. So when he comes and he lives in you, you too now have an awe of God. Why do you need to have an awe of God? Because with the gift of the fear of the Lord, 
one is made aware of the glory and the majesty that God has. It is not a form of terror, but rather a joyful awareness of God's grandeur and a grateful realization that only in him do our hearts ever find peace. It is, it is, it is to be in awe. It's, it's, it's like, have, and I know we think it's silly, but have you ever seen someone who, who meets a celebrity? And when they meet the celebrity, they just, they just start crying. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it's you. Oh, my God. And I've never seen it more dramatic than when Michael Jackson used to, oh, my God. When Michael Jackson used to go to China or Japan, they'd be like, Michael. <laughs> I mean, they just, pa- I mean, just, and they weren't faking. They would pass out. They were in awe of Michael. They were in such awe that they could not contain their natural faculties. And it's, it's, it's why we always say all the time, how can you be in the presence of the Holy Ghost and not be in awe? How do you be in service where the Spirit of God is moving and you think about what you're going to eat when you get out of church? Because you don't have a reverential, obedient, wondering, awe factor of God. Because if you did, whenever you were in his presence, nothing would be more pressing. It's why when I tell people all the time, they say, Pastor, can you talk to me about this problem? I say, you need to take it to God in prayer. I'm just so busy. Well, you don't want to get rid of your problems. Because what you're not going to do is waste my time by dumping all your stuff on me when I'm not the solution for your problem. The Holy Ghost is the solution for your problem. That's who you need to take it to because he has the ability to deliver you if you'd ever get in awe of him. See, a person with wonder and awe knows that God is the perfection of all of their desires. They're not afraid to get close to God because they know getting closer to God means closer to their destiny. They, 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 they don't mess up and run from God. They mess up and run to God. This gift is described as a fear of actually separating ourselves from God. That is why Jesus says, I only came to do what the Father sent me to do. He says, I can do nothing of my own. He says, I'm so in awe of the Father. All I can do is what the Father says. And because that same spirit, the Holy Spirit was on him, when he got ready to leave, he told his disciples, he says, I'm going to send the comforter, the advocate, back to you because the advocate can only say what I say, but I can only say what the Father said. So it's like the Father is talking to you. So you got to get to the place where you don't mind being in tune to the Holy Spirit. You don't mind listening to what he's got to say. And listen, you got to be a person who don't mind feedback. Tell you, let me say the Holy Ghost will give you feedback. Because part of the person of the Holy Ghost is that the Holy Ghost is a person. Tell your neighbor, say the Holy Ghost is a person. And because he is a person, that's why, that, that's, that's why when, here at our church we talk about Holy Spirit rather than saying the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. We talk about Holy Spirit. We talk about Holy Ghost. Why? Because he is a person. He is a part of the Trinity. He is a person. And because he is a person, a person is going to have intentions. A person is going to have emotions. 
A person is going to interact. And so the Holy Spirit is designed to be a person within a person. That's why when people say, yeah, I had this little small voice tell me don't go down that road. No, you had the Holy Ghost speak to you and tell you don't go down that road. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's job is to teach us, is to talk to us. And so this reverential fear is this idea of this fear of, oh, my God, what would I do without God? My wife and I, whenever we have to make a decision and we're having to pray about it and we don't know what we're going to do and we don't know what situation we find ourselves in, we ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what would you have us to do? People used to ask us, why y'all take everything so serious? Because at the end of the day, if God doesn't help us, we're going to fail. See, we have no problem saying that. If God doesn't move, if God doesn't tell us, if God doesn't instruct us, it doesn't matter that I got four degrees and she got three. All seven of them are going to fail. Because in life, you're going to face something that your education... Your network, your resources, everything's going to get tapped out and you are not going to have an answer. And you're going to try to do it on your own and you are going to utterly fall on your face. And somebody needs to tell you that. I know you smart. I know you got degrees. I know you moved up the corporate ladder. I know you've been making six figures the last 10 years. But there is a problem and and a situation that will arise and you won't have the wherewithal to deal with it. Because in spite of all of your money and all of your education, when sickness racks your body, you can't pay to get out of it. When you lose a loved one unexpectedly and your heart is breaking and all the therapy in the world is not working, you need the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says he is a comforter. And he will comfort you in ways that man can't teach you to be comforted. And you got to get to the place where in spite of how great you are, and you are great, you still need the Holy Ghost. You need to always be concerned about what I would do if I didn't have God on my side. Because what it'll do is it'll force you to stay with God even when everybody else telling you to go a different direction. The reverential fear of God will keep you on God's side even when everybody else tell you it don't make sense to stay with God. And in life, there will be well-meaning idiots in your life. They will be, they, I, I don't call them idiots to be rude. Idiot means to be unlearned. And there will be a lot of un, a well-meaning, unlearned people in your life who will tell you that certain things don't take all that. And they'll, they'll, and they'll make fun of you because you pray. They'll make fun of you because you fast. They'll make fun of you because you tithe. They'll make fun of you because you come to church. They'll make fun of you because you, because you ask God about everything you do until life kicks them in the behind and they don't have an answer. And then guess who they come to? You. They come to you. And they come to you with a situation that it took them two years to figure out they couldn't even deal with. And they come to you, but because you rely on the Holy Ghost, you give them the solution in 30 seconds. And what does it do? It teaches them that in spite of the fact they thought they knew more than you did, you were tapped into a source who knew more than they could ever know. And here at Fellowship of Champions, we ain't looking to be the smartest church. We're looking to be the most connected church. 
the most connected church to the Holy Ghost we can possibly be because in every situation and in every circumstance, the Holy Ghost will show us a way out. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, say the Holy Ghost helps me in all of my weaknesses. If you believe that, give the Lord some praise this morning. Surprises and solutions. Surprises and solutions. It's what the Holy Ghost has for us. He's got surprises for you. He's got the, the angel of the Lord's got some things he wants to say to you about your life. And no matter how far-fetched they may seem, I need you to have the same spirit of that little 15-year-old girl named Mary. And you need to say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. You say I can have that job that, that I don't think, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. But the doctor's report said, Lord, be it unto me. But my child had been struggling for so long, Lord. Lord, be it unto me according to our word. Don't allow yourself to disagree with what Holy Spirit has said about you. <laughs>